In this episode, I'm going to share another chapter from the book that I've been writing. And I'm continuing to do this to hold myself accountable to you and to make sure I make steady progress on the book this year. This chapter is about becoming invincible and the difference between being empowered versus being vulnerable and the benefits of being more powerful, having more freedom and more autonomy. This is Invincible Career, and I'm Larry Cornette. So let me dive in and read some of this chapter to you. And here's how it starts. Our boss looked around the conference room, sighed, and said, I need your final list of employees for the layoff next week. Have you decided who you're keeping and who could be let go? Well, there's nothing like a corporate layoff meeting to reveal the truth about who is valued in an organization. Some employees are so precious that they are untouchable. You might even say they're invincible. Others are so vulnerable that their managers are happy to put them on a layoff list. Most people fall somewhere in the middle. I still remember that conversation with the leaders of the various organizations in the company. We were discussing numbers and debating names. Someone mentioned another team's employee, (laughs) that's always nice, as a potential candidate for the layoff list. His manager snorted, yeah, right. Matt is the only one who understands the code for our legacy system. He wrote the whole damn thing. It's not documented well, and no one else could keep it running. If we get rid of him, we're screwed. The senior leader frowned. Okay, okay. We can't afford to lose Matt. What about Tim? What's he working on? Tim's manager looked uncomfortable. Um, he's on a new project testing some experimental concepts. He's a good guy. I want to keep him. The leader grunted. "Uh Uh-huh. I see. Well, we don't have the luxury of experimentation right now, and someone has to go. Guess who lost their job that day? Before I continue, I should clarify what I mean by vulnerability in your career, in your life, After all, doesn't Brene Brown tell us that there is power in being vulnerable? If you haven't seen that TED Talk, check it out. By the way, I've linked some of this information in the newsletter. If you go to newsletter.invinciblecareer.com, this is called Book Chapter, Becoming Invincible, Issue 349. All right. So like I said, check out that TED Talk if you haven't seen it, if you want to know what she means by the power of vulnerability. So she does say that, but to be clear, she's talking about vulnerability in the sense of being your authentic self and not being afraid to be human, make mistakes, and connect with others more deeply. Even she doesn't recommend that you're vulnerable with the wrong people or 
in the wrong situations. You can be confident, authentic, and willing to be vulnerable, but you still wouldn't turn your back on a tiger, would you? Similarly at work, it's good to be your authentic self, honest and open, and human. But never forget that your job is a transactional relationship. And the workplace is a competitive environment. Your coworkers are not your family. And your boss is not your friend. You'll be treated well as long as you're delivering more value to the organization than the bottom 10% of employees. You'll keep your position as long as your paycheck is a positive ROI, return on investment, for the company. You'll have job security as long as your employer remains profitable. The leadership keeps making good decisions and the company doesn't stumble in the competitive market. Because when they do, that's when the layoffs occur. Now you may be thinking, This doesn't apply to me. My job is rock solid, and it always will be. But will it? Sooner or later, we all become vulnerable in our careers. Welcome to the joys of growing older and age discrimination. If you haven't experienced it yet because you're too young, you probably will one day. And the reality is most of us are always vulnerable, even if we don't realize it or want to admit it. Eventually, something will happen that wakes you up to this fact. I certainly experienced that and learned the hard way that I had let myself become vulnerable over the years. For example, if your primary source of income is from one job and you have a single boss who controls your fate, you are vulnerable. If you heavily depend on a single source of income to make ends meet, sometimes paycheck to paycheck, you are vulnerable. If your regional cost of living is so high, welcome to California that your rent or mortgage consumes most of your income, you're vulnerable. If you want to quit your job and find a new one, but then you discover there are no opportunities for you elsewhere, you are vulnerable. If your profession vanished or your industry collapsed, well, that'll never happen. Of course it does. Entire professions disappear. Industries do collapse. But if that happens, you don't have a sufficient financial cushion to pivot and rebuild your career, you are vulnerable. And as I said, if you're growing older and age discrimination makes it harder to find employment in your chosen profession, and I've experienced that, you become increasingly vulnerable with every passing year. Even when you don't feel vulnerable, you may feel trapped in your job. That happens. 
I've worked with several clients who described their employment that way. They felt trapped. They didn't have the power and influence to make a living doing something they loved, something they'd prefer to be doing, to work on their own terms, or to truly be free to live their lives the way they wanted. So, for example, if you want to move away from where you currently live, but you can't because of your job, you're not free. If you want to change careers, but golden handcuffs and a golden cage trap you in your current job, you're not free. If you have severe, persistent negative experiences at work and you feel like you can't escape for one reason or another, you're vulnerable and you're certainly lacking what I would describe as freedom. If you can't reasonably say no to unreasonable requests from your employer, you feel like you can't do that, you're not free. If you hate your boss or just dislike them and nothing improves no matter what you do and you feel like you can't leave, you can't quit your job, you're not free. If you can't stand the work you do almost every day, you're not free. If your coworkers make you miserable, you're experiencing discrimination, harassment, and you feel like you can do nothing about it or you report it and nothing happens, you're not free. If you occasionally need personal time and you want a flexible schedule, yet your job will never accommodate you, you are not free. Unfortunately, many of these experiences are not uncommon. I know so many employees who feel vulnerable and trapped. And sadly, most people live their lives, their entire lives, this way. As Henry David Thoreau said, the mass of men lead lives of quiet desperation. What is called resignation is confirmed desperation. And he talks about concealing despair under the guise of games and amusements. And we still do it. Today, people console themselves with mindless hours of scrolling social media, binge-watching shows on Netflix, and any other amusement they can find that can help them forget that they don't enjoy their work and they're not living their lives to their fullest. But there is a better solution than all of that. (laughs) You can empower yourself to take control of your career path and live the life you dream of enjoying. And that's by... Becoming invincible in your work and life. When you're invincible, it means that as much as possible, you have removed single points of failure from every aspect of your overall career ecosystem. So no single event, no negative event can disrupt your life for very long. In fact, you may even become stronger as you experience adversity. You bounce back from any setback, wiser, tougher, and more prepared for what comes your way. Nassim Nicholas Taleb refers to this as being anti-fragile, and he wrote a book on the phenomenon. It's called Anti-Fragile, Things That Gain From Disorder. Before you can forge your own invincible career, you need to understand your existing and potential areas of vulnerability. 
you can then make a plan to eliminate and mitigate points of vulnerability to give you the confidence required to make the best decisions for your career and life. This is the same process I use with my coaching clients and the members of my career community. If you want to learn more, I've linked those in the newsletter. Go to newsletter.invinciblecareer.com. But in general, the primary benefit of an invincible career is that you get to work and live your life on your own terms. You no longer live in fear of upsetting your boss or losing your job. And a lot of people live that way. You don't let golden handcuffs keep you chained to a company that is no longer serving your career well. I've been there and I did that. It's not fun. Your work is aligned with your personal values and leverages your core talents and strengths. The positive ripple effects of living this way are enormous with far-reaching impacts. I can't even begin to capture all of the ways your life might change. If you live this way, but I've tried to summarize what it means to have an invincible career in terms of 10 core principles. And these 10 principles are one, live where you can enjoy your quality of life Two, work where you want to spend your days. Three, become a known expert at what you do Four, transform your work to be meaningful Five, take control of how you do your work. Six, take control of when you do your work. Seven, work with people who bring out your best. Eight, achieve fulfillment by helping others. Nine, take charge and never again feel trapped. And ten, empower yourself and never again feel vulnerable. So I know that some of these principles may require a little bit more explanation. So I'm going to dive a little bit into each one. So let's talk about living where you can enjoy your quality of life. I mean, it seems simple, right? If you ask people if they're living where they want, many will initially say, yeah, sure. But if you probe a little more deeply and you ask, if you had all the money in the world and never had to work again, would you still live where you are now? Or would you want to move somewhere else? That's when the truth comes out and people say, oh, well, no. If I could live anywhere I wanted in the world, I'd rather be living in whatever, fill in the blank. Most of us make concessions for our job. We live where we have to, to find the work we do. We live within a reasonable commute from an office or a workplace. I know that I did. I mean, we did the best we could within the constraints of the reality of my career choice of software design. That's what I used to do. I felt that I had to be in the heart of tech career opportunities in the 90s, at least. That was Silicon Valley. But did I genuinely enjoy my quality of life there? No. I mean, I did during the early years. Unfortunately, in the final years of my corporate employment, I was on the freeway for three to four hours every day commuting to the office. The cost of living 
in the Bay Area was outrageous. Every weekend we got stuck in heavy traffic whenever we wanted to go shopping or see a movie, have fun at the beach, or visit San Francisco. I was totally failing at this first principle until I changed my career to have the flexibility to live anywhere we wanted. That was an intentional decision and it took years of planning and preparation. Where would you choose to live if you could redesign your career to make that possible? So the second principle is work where you want to spend your days. And this principle depends on what you do for a living, of course. But many of us have or had a physical location where we actually do our work every day. Or some have to check in at a location before they head out to do their their jobs. I mean, this recently changed with the pandemic and employers asking people to work from home, but who knows what the future holds. People are already being asked to return to the office. So where you work determines your commute experience. Depending on how long that commute is, how you do there, how you get there, this can significantly impact your life satisfaction. It sure harmed mine. Several years ago, I calculated how much time I was spending on the freeway for my commute. And that was a daily commute, Monday through Friday. It was a gut-wrenching discovery. I was commuting over 625 hours a year before I finally left my last corporate job. 625 hours. If I'd continued to do that until my retirement, I would have spent entire years of my life on the freeway when you add it all up. And the reality is you spend the majority of your waking hours every day at work. So when I talk about working where you want to spend your days, it includes the experience of being in an office or workplace. It includes that experience of your cubicle or a private office if you're lucky. I haven't had one since the early days when I was at Apple. It includes the neighborhood where your job's located. And sometimes that's kind of cool. It can be fun. Sometimes it sucks. In my case, I spent long days in meeting rooms. Some had windows where I could see the world outside and dream of escaping the fluorescent lights. Oh, joy. Some were windowless. So we stared at each other across the conference room tables. How fun is that? There were no restaurants or cafes nearby. So I ate the same cafeteria food every day while sitting in meetings. Exciting, huh? However, my new career choice has given me the flexibility of working wherever I want to work for the most part. And I no longer have a commute at all. I mean, it's crazy What a difference this has made in my life over the past 12 years. If you stop driving 625 hours a year for 12 years, you get a lot of uh, interesting time back to do more important things. So if you're going to spend 8 to 12 hours every day in some sort of working environment, shouldn't it be somewhere that you actually enjoy being? Number three is become a known expert at what you do. Steve Martin has said, be so good they can't ignore you. 
being damn good at what you do is one of the most important personal investments you can make to become invincible in your career. Mediocre employees are easy to replace. People who are so-so at their job don't get to make demands. People who aren't that great at their craft don't have excellent opportunities knocking at their door. However, expertise is always in demand. People want to hire the best. People want to work with the best. When you're a recognized expert at what you do, your employer wants to retain you and other companies try to steal you away. In my case, I had to take some time. I had to boil down my strengths and talents to get to the heart of where my expertise actually was. And it was non-obvious. It wasn't directly tied to my job title or profession. The lucky thing about uncovering my love for coaching is that it gave me incredible flexibility in how I could best leverage that expertise and create a business around it. This is why I spend time with my clients seeking that magic intersection of what they're great at doing, what they enjoy doing, and what will get them paid. Obviously, it's not always easy to create, but a career based on this intersection of your expertise and passion makes you more invincible. It also makes you happier. No one likes working in a job where they are struggling every day. It feels damn good to be an expert. However, you must be a known expert. You can't be in demand if no one knows you exist. You can be the most amazingly talented person, yet never have options in your career because no one is aware of what you can do. You have to package yourself up and get the word out. Four, transform your work to be meaningful. When you're a recognized expert at what you do and you're in high demand, you have more say over what your job is really about. You get the opportunity to transform your work. As much as we might think that wealth could make us happy, it's not sufficient in the long run. Yes, a certain amount of money is necessary to cover the basics in life. It's hard to be happy when you're struggling to make ends meet. But research has clearly shown that happiness levels off with wealth beyond a certain point. And in some situations, people are less happy than their wealth would predict. More money, more problems. We all want our lives to have meaning too. Like it or not, work is a significant part of our lives. So if we want our lives to have meaning, our work has to be meaningful too. I've had jobs where my job felt like it was making a difference. And I've had jobs where it simply felt meaningless. And sometimes my work would be thrown away. I mean, literally, I remember like 50% of the projects I was working on were thrown away. It's hard to feel invincible, satisfied, and happy in your work and life if your job feels pointless. It feels incredibly vulnerable too. How can you have job security if it seems like the work you're doing isn't even needed? Of course, we all need to make money. But beyond that, it is undoubtedly better to feel like your work and life have meaning. Five, take control of how you do your work. So I'm not trying to tell you that the only way to be happy and free is quit your job, walk away. No. 
I do believe that people can find fulfillment in their jobs and not feel oppressed at work. However, that does require taking control of how you do your work. It's impossible to feel invincible in your job when someone is micromanaging you. As you've probably heard the most successful people and the most influential experts say, don't tell me how to do my job. Tell me what you need and I'll decide how the work gets done. Of course, employees in the early stages of their professional careers are still learning how to do their jobs. More senior managers and employees and mentors are indeed teaching them how to do their work and be successful. But that should evolve as you become more competent and experienced. People who become more powerful and respected in their roles no longer need someone else defining the how of their work. Number six, take control of when you do your work. If you want to fully control how you do your work, you should control when you do it. If you feel forced to work specific days and hours, you haven't achieved an entirely invincible career yet, but it is possible. Ideally, when you have a genuinely invincible career, you also decide how much you want to work. You work as much or as little as you feel like working. I have a few clients who are at that stage of their careers right now. They get to choose when they work and how much they want to work. Now, you might say, well then, I choose not to work at all. In that case, I hope you've invested very, very wisely for your retirement and can make that happen. However, the reality is that most people don't do well when they fully retire from the working world. We all need a sense of purpose that gets us out of bed in the morning. Sadly, some research has found that people who retire earlier tend to die earlier too. I've discovered that I love my work when I like what I do, control how and when I do my work, and work with people I enjoy being around. Work isn't a dirty word. You just need to own the definition of what it means for you. Number seven, work with people who bring out your best. As I've mentioned before, So many of us have felt like we had no choice but to quit our jobs to escape a bad boss in a miserable work environment. From research published by Clarine M. Jacobs, Ph.D., in ineffective leader-induced occupational stress, almost 75% of workers rated their leader as the most significant source of stress, and nearly 70% of employees rated work as a significant source of stress. We spend an incredible amount of our life in our jobs. Unfortunately, we often spend more time with our co-workers than with our friends and family. So it's no surprise that our relationships with our boss and colleagues significantly impact our happiness and well-being. You should be spending just as much time evaluating and selecting your potential new manager and co-workers as you do the job itself. They can often make or break your work experience. Also, the professional network you develop through these relationships can influence your success in the future. Every single one of my corporate jobs and consulting gigs 
came through the power of my network. After I graduated from college, I can't remember a single time that I took the traditional route of sending a resume and applying formally for a job. Even my graduate school internships in Silicon Valley came from a warm intro, thanks to my network. If you want tremendous flexibility in your career options, build and nurture a powerful network. And that starts with intentionally choosing to work with great people who can help you thrive and grow. Number eight, achieve fulfillment by helping others. Now, I've been in the working world a very long time. Uh, Gosh, I don't know, over 30 years easily. I have friends and colleagues that date back decades. So I've been able to watch their careers evolve as they grow older. And it's been interesting to observe a common trend that seems to occur. They want to give back. At some point, they want to give back. Some people are already in professions that are focused on helping others. Teachers, medical professionals, therapists, firefighters, you name it. But many of us are in careers that are focused on business outcomes. You know, we're trying to help the company make more money. Or personal financial outcomes. Hey, I want to be rich. What seems to happen over time is the pursuit of money and material possessions feel hollow. For many people I know, The only thing that feels meaningful and fulfilling is helping others and making a difference in the world. It's hard to enjoy an invincible career in life if you don't feel like you're somehow changing the world for the better. What's the point of success and wealth if you're not improving the lives of others in some way? Number nine, take charge and never again feel trapped. I know that my escape from a corporate career to pursue entrepreneurship is unique to my personal definition of freedom. I tend to feel trapped working for someone else. I don't know why. I always have. Taking charge of my career to, lo- to no longer feel that way meant starting my own business. However, many of my friends simply cannot imagine leaving the security of their nine-to-five jobs. Entrepreneurship may feel like freedom to me, but it's terrifying for them. And even if you feel safer as an employee, I do believe that you should still take charge of your career. I no longer assume that entrepreneurship is a prerequisite for freedom for everyone. I've made that mistake before. But I do know that many of us sacrifice our freedom in a traditional 9-to-5 job. It happens, sometimes very gradually, over such a long time that we don't notice it slowly slipping away. Regardless of your beliefs around entrepreneurship and employment, no one wants to feel trapped in a profession or as if they have no other choice but to remain with a specific employer. When you claim your power and take control of your career path, you know that you'll always have good options. And the final principle, number 10, Empower yourself and never again feel vulnerable. You could wait for good fortune to strike. You could also wait for someone to grant you power over your work and life. But that's all wishful thinking, and I'm not a big fan of waiting for wishes to come true. You have to intentionally plan the next 10, 20, maybe 30 years of your career to have a shot at work portability and personal freedom. If you sit back and let your job and career path take their natural course, 
you will increasingly find yourself trapped with fewer and fewer options. Just as with luck, when it comes to freedom and flexibility, you have to make your own. If you want to be empowered, you have to step up and claim your power. No one is going to hand it to you on a silver platter. This is your life, and no one cares as much about your future as you do. Don't be a passive participant sitting on the job train that someone else controls and taking you in the direction they want to go. That's a surefire way to be vulnerable and feel unhappy. Empower yourself to choose your own destination. Determine how you want to get there using your rules. Become invincible and you will enjoy the journey every day. Now you probably noticed that these 10 principles evoke themes of freedom, autonomy, power, confidence, security, happiness, and fulfillment. Achieving these outcomes is what I want for you by the time you finish this book. It's also my goal when I coach my clients every day. I take them through a journey of professional development, creating a long-term career and life plan, and setting things in motion that will empower them, help them find fulfillment, and let them be free to choose the life they want instead of being trapped on a path they fear they will never escape. Of course, none of this will happen overnight. But if you start today, you'll be on the path to achieving the life you want too. I hope this book will serve as your guide to get there. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you would like to follow upcoming releases of the show, please subscribe. And as always, I appreciate your ratings and reviews. Thank you. If you would like to learn more about Invincible Career and the podcast, you can visit InvincibleCareer.com. Until next time, I wish you the best of luck in becoming an opportunity magnet for the best things in life.